is here, and it's a glorious moment, and we're all glad. It's full of joy. I find it to be a very peaceful feast for, for me. Um, it's, it's one of those times where I feel like my secular world intersects with my sacred world, and everyone's okay with that. The world likes the Christ child. He doesn't really demand anything for them. Everyone's comfortable with baby Jesus. I am. We need baby Jesus. That's another sermon, but the world's okay with baby Jesus. An epiphany moves us forward in the life of Christ. Epiphany immediately follows the Advent and Christmas tide and moves us forward. And that's the whole point of the church calendar. That's the whole point, is that we can walk through the life of Christ every year of our life. And so Epiphany does that. We don't use the word Epiphany very often. It used to be more common. It's like, a hey, I just had an Epiphany. Something was clear, an insight, a leap forward in understanding. But for us, epiphany is defined like this. It is the manifestation of Christ as divine. So we have the Christ child who came. We're all comfortable with baby Jesus, but don't stay there. Make sure you grow up with Jesus and realize that not only was he fully fully man, he's fully God. And that's what epiphany does for us. Epiphany is a minor feast, so it doesn't get a lot of press. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't really even recognize it as a season. The Eastern Church is really excited about Epiphany. It's a season for them, and typically it's three to five weeks. We're going to bundle that all up into more this morning. <laughs> oh, yay, right? Um, and there's three traditional Epiphany passages. One of them is in your bulletin, and that's the Magi. That's the first Epiphany passage. The second one is the baptism of Jesus. We're also going to look at that in Matthew, but it's not in your bulletin. And then the third one is the wedding at Cana, which John tells us about, not in your bulletin. So let's get going. We've got a lot to cover. All right, so the Magi. It's in your bulletin there. We just read it. I love this story. When I was a little boy, my favorite Christmas carol was We Three Kings. No, I don't know why, just was. I thought it was cool. I love this story. We could talk about it for hours, but here's what you should know. The Magi were heathen. They were not God-fearing men. They were not Jewish. They were not Hebrews. And they were very well-learned. They're probably some, some part astrologer, some part astronomer, okay, and some part mystic. In fact, we even have some clues from the Old Testament that they probably worshipped the stars. Amos talks about it in the fifth chapter. Your star god, Kion. My Hebrew is not as good as Alice's, but there is some evidence that the men of the East, which the Magi were, worshipped the stars. So these are people that are divining the stars. They know the stars. So please don't make the mistake that this was a natural phenomenon. That the star of David, the star in this story was a natural occurrence and these dumbfounded ancients got it wrong. These men knew the stars and they knew that this was supernatural. And so they set out to find what's at this star. God the Father, God the Creator who created the natural order is now taking something of the natural order and reordering it to announce the birth of His Son. My son was born six months ago. I blasted Facebook, sent out emails. This is the God who is the creator God, so he gets to tell everyone through a cosmic sign. 
And the Magi bear witness to this. And this is good news. No, I mean this is the good news. This is the first moment where the gospel is clearly for everyone. The good news that God has come for not just his people, the Hebrews, the Jewish nation. He's come for the Gentiles. Paul, in your Ephesians passage, listen to what he says. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Listen to what Malachi says. This is many years before the life of Christ. Malachi 1, 4, From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. Every place incense shall be offered unto my name, not to star gods, to my name. A pure offering, for my name shall be great among the Gentiles. This is God's plan. It's been hidden in mystery. Why? We don't know. Paul doesn't even know. If Paul doesn't know, I feel okay about not knowing. This is a mystery that God came for all the Gentiles, and the story of the Magi is the first time where this is happening. These are people far from God. They don't know him. And God reorders the natural order so that they can find out. That's the length he went to, to bring someone far from him to him. These were godless men who are no longer without God. They now have a God. And what do they, how do they respond? I'm blown away by this every time. Worship. We need to see this example as these men who are learned, who have traveled for months. This isn't something where they got in the car and drove to the UP to see the Northern Lights. This was not a six-hour journey. This was dangerous. They would have to be organized. They would have had to have a band of men to protect them as they traveled through dangerous lands. This was a well-calculated, this was not a whim. Are we doing that? Are we humbling ourselves? These were... Learned men, they're called kings. They humble themselves and worship probably a two-year-old. This didn't happen probably in the stable. Okay, the time course here is just too long. A two-year-old, I have a three-year-old. The idea of worshiping a three- or two-year-old is baffling. Half the time I'm not sure they're from heaven. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) This is an epiphany moment. Have you had this epiphany moment? Are you having this epiphany moment where you come before God and realize and recognize that he is Jesus Christ, the God? And are you worshiping him? I've heard people say this phrase, let's just simply worship. There's nothing simple about it. You must humble yourself. If you really see him as God, it will bring you to your knees to worship him. I pray that you're having this epiphany moment regularly seek him as the magi seek him lay down your treasures as the magi laid down their treasures and humble yourself whatever your trappings are whether it's your studies whether it's your profession whether it's your church background whatever it is humble them lay them down we could literally go on for hours I love the magi Let's keep moving forward because there's more 
manifestation of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you the second passage since you don't have it. Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And the Spirit of God, descending like a dove, came to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is a manifestation of the divinity of Christ as Savior. Let me convince you that this is a Savior moment in Christ's identity. First of all, the, the, the symbol of the dove. That's the only fowl, it's the only bird that, that was allowed to be a sacrifice, a burnt offering. There are a number of animals prescribed that are acceptable for a burnt offering. And what's, what's nice about that is that it, it actually allowed people of different incomes to, to bring offering. And doves would have been the cheapest. Dove is the only bird. This is a sacrificial symbol. And here's what else to let you know that this is a, a savior moment. This is Jesus' first step into public. He's been quiet for 30 years. He's been hidden, shrouded in shadow. Growing up as a boy in Nazareth, learning the craft of his father, carpenter. People know he's fully man. They know him. He's doing this. He's coming to, to, he's responding to a prophet, as many were. John the Baptist is preaching, guess what he's preaching? A baptism of repentance. And Jesus' first step into the public is, I'm going to go and receive the baptism of repentance. And what does repentance? It is the first step towards salvation. This is Jesus, the Son of God, as he takes on the mantle of his divinity, his first step is, I'm a savior. I came chiefly to save the world. He doesn't come, it's not his first, his first revelation. The first manifestation is not some puffed up power action. It is, I will submit to the baptism of repentance, though I have no sin. And John's aware of this. This is why John says, no, no, no. You don't need this baptism. My baptism is one for repentance. That's why you should baptize me. Don't make a mistake. The church is very clear, and I want to be very clear. Christ had no sin. Jesus is receiving the baptism of repentance for, for the very real purpose so that you can receive it. Not because he needed it. He was there to fulfill all righteousness. So that as Jesus is baptized, guess what? We get to be baptized and share with that. Suddenly now, the life of Christ we can participate in because he was baptized. And so the manifestation of the divinity of Christ in this passage is, I am God the Savior. Have you had this epiphany moment? Have you been baptized? Has he saved you? This is the epiphany moment you cannot skip over. Because he was baptized, we can be baptized and share in his life and death and resurrection. And that is why he came. And that is why I believe he steps into the public eye with his divine nature, first and foremost as Savior.
now the Magi, when heaven was moved, heaven was moved to show what was happening on earth. Now Jesus says, I'm the bridge between heaven and earth. The heaven was opened. Now we have access. Look what Paul says in Ephesians here in your, in your passage in the bulletin. I think it's verse uh, 6. No, I don't know what verse it is, but he says we have access and confidence through Jesus Christ and we have faith in him. Now there's a bridge between heaven and earth. He's no longer far off. He's right here. He's walking the planet like we are. He's being baptized like we are. This is the supernatural sign that the heavens were opened. And like a dove, the Spirit of God came down. Now we know the Spirit was always with Christ. We understand this to be a a, a sense of God taking on the office of prophet in Jesus. The Spirit of God always descended on on the prophet. And so we we have that here. And for the first time, people are being able to see in public a full, Jesus fully man and Jesus fully God. We're having baptisms next week because baptism is always a part of Epiphany because Jesus was baptized in the Epiphany moments. If you've not been baptized, if you're holding off, if you're waiting on that, please talk to Father Aaron. Don't miss out on the, this epiphany moment in your life. All right. You're still with me. We could stop there. We could. We could stop at the salvation of Christ. It's enough. But there's more. Jesus always has more. And there's a third moment where the divinity of Christ is made manifest. It's different than the other ones. And that's the wedding at Cana. You may be familiar with it. Be patient with me as I read it so that I bring us all to the same point. On the third day, this is John 2, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. He probably had about five or six at this point. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then when the people have you know, drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first sign Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory his disciples believed in him. Note the difference. The first two passages, the signs and wonders, the supernatural, is about, is regarding, is around Jesus. In this passage, he's the author. He's the author of the sign. And it's not to be missed. 
We've seen Jesus manifest his divinity as God. And the response is worship him. We've seen Jesus manifest his divinity as Savior, and the response is repent and be baptized. And now we see Jesus made manifest as Lord, who has all authority. And the response is obedience. Once again, this is a new moment where Jesus is now taking on the public ministry, and this one's in broad daylight. This one is not hidden in any way. It's actually an ordinary day. Another contrast to the first two. This is not a cosmic moment. This is a mundane moment. And this is the author of that moment is our Lord. The whole theme... That's an overstatement. There's so many themes here. This is such a rich text. Please spend time with it. But one of the themes here that you must get is obedience. And we can say Jesus is God, and we can say Jesus is our Savior, and we can receive that salvation, but are you obeying His Lordship? Is His Lordship in your life? Is it in the mundane? Once the, once the, the mountaintop moment of, of, of conversion or, or whatever it is is passed, is He Lord in your daily life? I mean, Mary, Mary tells us exactly how to understand this passage. Do whatever he tells you. That's, that's, that's enough. You could receive that message and be like, you got it. These are people that did not know who Jesus truly was. We read about this later um, in, um, in Mark, Mark 6. Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and all of them who heard him were astonished. Where does this man get these things? Where is this wisdom coming from? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It is not easy to receive Christ as Lord. Even though he demonstrates his authority time and time again, people reject it. They can't get past his humanness. This is an epiphany moment that probably is the most frequent moment that you should be having in your life. The heavens were moved to let the world know that Jesus was on earth. The heavens were ripped open and Jesus forms a bridge between heaven and earth. And now... Jesus is saying, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I have come to make all things new. This is new wine. This is rich with symbolism that you should understand in the context of this Jewish heritage. Christ has come to make your life new. He has come to be Lord in the mundane. A book written by Jeff Bridges, whom I've not, which I've not read the entire book. I've read chapter seven. <laughs> the title of the book is "Respectable Sins." Subtitle: "Sins That We Tolerate." That's the title. I suspect it's a good book. I was blessed by reading chapter seven. The title of chapter seven is "Ungodliness." Ungodliness. 
and he makes the argument, and it's a convincing one for me, that we are content to live, live respectable lives as Christians, and on a daily basis, we are comfortable going about without a thought of God, without a thought of God's will, without a thought of God's glory, and without a thought of our dependence on God. That is true for me. I'm there. I have many days like that. I have many days where I show up to work angry because of how the commute went, and I cursed maybe. I've been impatient with my coworkers. There are many days I come home tired, and there is no sign that Christ is Lord of my life. There are days like that. And that better lead you back to an epiphany moment of repentance. But God wants you to move forward with Him in your life. That He's Lord. I had an epiphany moment Friday. That was, um, and people can bear witness to this. Um, I was in a desperate spot. I was in a spot where everything was going wrong. Car trouble, logistical problems with my family schedule, and I had a sermon to write. And I thought I'd written it twice already. <laughs> and um, if you're ever blessed with the burden of, of preaching, you'll know that that doesn't matter sometimes. And that's what the Lord was doing. He was pushing me out of that, that message. Maybe it'll be for another year. I don't know. And there I was with crisis, crisis, anxiety, um, responsibility, and crying children at home. So I sent out text to my two closest friends outside my wife, who was already praying and striving with me. And I said, I need you to intercede for me, because I knew that if I did not bring Christ the Lord into this moment, I was not going to take the path he wanted me to. I would respond in sin, whether it was thought, word, or deed, I would. I've done it before. There I am working. My friends are praying. I'm praying. And ding, the phone, the text goes off. Problem, prayer number one answered. Ding, prayer number two. I mean, literally, it was like I had won the lottery. Because these very, these aren't, these aren't, these aren't like I'm praying for a sense of prayers. These are, Lord, I need this. Please bring this. And he did. The main thing was he changed my heart. Solved the problems. That's what he does. He solved the problem with Cana. He cares. And isn't this great news? This is no longer the star God. Mm-hmm. It's not far off. We're no longer wishing upon a star. We're not. The light of Christ has come into your life. And it shines a light on the darkness that you're facing so you can walk upright. Worship, repent, obedience. Let the light of Christ shine through you. Other people need to see it. Now, if you've heard anything about these epiphany moments and you're sitting there saying, I'm not having epiphany moments, Don't delay. Come and get prayer. 
Come pray with Father Aaron. Come pray with me. Come pray with the prayer minister. Have these epiphany moments. If something's blocking them, if something is preventing you from seeing the divine reality of Christ, get prayer. Don't stay there. That is what the church is about. We are to manifest Christ to the world, and we, we will we'll help you. We'll walk with you. Don't wait. I'd like to close in prayer. Would you pray with me? Come pray with me, Father Aaron. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Christ, to this earth so that there is a way. Lord, I pray for the hearts here and I pray for each life that you would be manifest inside of it. Would you please, Lord, help us to lay down, humble ourselves and worship you as God. Receive your salvation. Oh, Spirit, help us to repent. Lord, would you be Lord in our lives? Would that be a reality? And if you are here saying, I don't know how to do that, tell the Lord that. Jesus. Come. Receive him. Pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.